I'm Carrington Vanston. I'm Mike McGinnis. And this is No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. It is the arcade podcast for people who like their games classically. No, it is a cla- it's an old it's a cla- we actually recorded all this in the 80s, so oh. we just didn't tell people. And we are remarkably prescient about what um, cabinet costs will be in the future. And we have remarkably good home recording equipment too. <laughs> we do. Well, I'm doing this on uh, an 8 track, which is why if our recordings go too long, you can sort of hear it click and switch over. And I'm pumping this through a 1200 baud modem. That is totally acceptable yeah. to me. That's a lot of bod, baby. So this, you should get this audio file sometime in 2015. <laughs> Half duplex all the way. That's right. Yes. So what's new, Buckaroo? Uh, well, other than Colorado burning to the ground, not a whole lot. <laughs> Colorado did burn to the ground. <laughs> well, it, was snowing, that? it was snowing in May, and now it's burning in June. <laughs> that's, that's how it goes around here. <laughs> I should laugh, man. Uh, weather here has been... Kind of, kind of universally crappy in in Toronto as well, but less less snow and less burning. So I guess I shouldn't complain. We just get rain. No, it's always a good rain, thing. rain, rain all the time. Rain. Yeah, it's just that time of year around here where things get hot and dry and and stuff burns. I don't know why, but <laughs> well, that's well, physics for you. We, we had we had a fire a few years ago that was started by a park ranger. Um, well, that, that seems counter counterproductive. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. Uh, but I think the I think the one that they just are most they have mostly put out has they've mostly put out is, is the the largest that we've had in recorded Colorado history. So oh my goodness! Something like four hundred and eighty seven homes burned. And all that now that season. said, do they record history in Colorado? Like that could be within the next six, last six months. As far well, as I know. yeah, it's true. It, it, it pretty much turns into the Wild West once you get outside <laughs> Denver out here. I mean, there's <laughs> cowboys cowboys shooting each other and yeah, <laughs> yeehaw. Mm-hmm. So let's talk arcade stuff. Um, yeah, I suppose we should do that. Did we get uh, feedback from the last show? Well, we we got, talked about what did we talk about? Flicky, Flicky last time. Flicky, Flicky. Yeah, we didn't get a whole lot of Flicky feedback. <laughs> right. Um, I think people. Well, and I, I imagine that that it's just that time of year. People are out doing stuff. It's summer. They're enjoying themselves, and they're not listening to our podcast. So. People who are not big nerds like us are right. going outside <laughs> and doing things. Yeah. So shame on you if you're not listening. Of course, if you're not listening, you're not going to hear that. So. <laughs> Double shame on you, <laughs> Well, Mike and I just stay inside and play games and get paler. Um, Chris Rauvich. Rauvich. That's sorry. exactly how it's pronounced. I'm sorry, Chris. I, I apologize for that. Um, Maybe it's the Chris part you got wrong. Well, that's possible, too. He recommended that we should really try Tempest 2000. It's an amazing game. Now, I looked at this game, and I believe Tempest 2000 is a console game. Okay. Uh, console only. It's it's a sequel to the original Tempest, and so we don't really we don't really talk about who knows what we talk about. Mike. Console titles here, You're unless not the they, boss of me. <laughs> all right. Well, this is now the console arcade <laughs> game podcast or something. I was a big fan of Tempest, as was I, and, and am a big fan of. Tempest. I remain a big fan of Tempest. Yeah. And if you have a classic console, um, try Tempest 2000. It looks looks fun. I don't I don't have anything that I can even play this on. How classic a console? Like how back? How far back does this go? Well, let me pull up the handy dandy Wikipedia. Oh, Wikipedia is both handy and dandy. Not entirely accurate, but you know. <laughs> well, as long as you're handy and dandy, I don't care if you're accurate. Uh, Wikipedia tells me that Tempest 2000 is a 1994 remake by Jeff Minter of the Dave Thur 1981 arcade classic Tempest. It is available on the Atari Jaguar, the PC, the Macintosh. The Sony PlayStation and the Sega Saturn. I have heard of all of those. I might even have one or two in the closet. <laughs> Just the Jaguar and the Saturn, right? Mm, yep. yep. Nice. Jaguar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they've got a couple of screenshots online if you do uh, Google image search for Tempest 2000. Looks looks interesting. Cool. Yeah. Swell. Recommended taken. Yep. Um, last week, I had pondered about the... Um, Length and relevance of our news section. Uh, Ryan Vix, Wix, WX is his last name. I, he, this is uh, S1500 on uh, Atari Age, the forums over there. That's ah, what he right, goes by. Cool. So I'm going to call you Ryan S1500 from now on because I can't pronounce your last name. <laughs> uh, Ryan says, keep the news segment no matter what. Any like you please, being a weekly podcast, you have finer granularity of reporting retro gaming news than other podcasts. My granularity is so fine. It's so sexy. I'm like flower, baby. Um, I agree. I like the new stuff, mostly because you do it, 
You do all the work, and I get to just listen to it. So I also appreciate the effort you put into doing yeah, new stuff. Uh, I'm sure you do. I'm just here as the sidekick. Patrick James Garber sent us uh, a message on Facebook, and it was addressed to you, Carrington. Woo-hoo. I forwarded it Somebody to you. Somebody I should log into Facebook. Well, I actually forwarded it to your email address. Somebody I should log into email. <laughs> okay, so obviously you didn't read this. <laughs> I read nothing. Sorry, Patrick. This is just how Carrington is. I have to deal with this every day. We'll read it eventually. Um, Patrick is asking about your Fix-It Felix Jr. arcade cabinet. He saw your video online. He's an arcade collector. He repairs games for a local place in Omaha, Nebraska. See, he's Um, just the sort of guy who I should be giving this cabinet to. I'm going to end up destroying it. I'm, I'm bad on stuff, man. Yeah, put that online. See, see, uh, put that video up on YouTube. See, uh, see, just watch, watch the arcade, watch the arcade fans just go go crazy. That's why I like to rip open classic software too. It's uh, awesome. Patrick says I have a few projects that I'm currently working on. I wanted to know how hard it would be to get a copy of the hard drive from that arcade, uh, as I want to take on the challenge and make one from scratch. And this seems like the only part I cannot reproduce. I know. So a version of the game. That's kind of buggy and kind of limited to like one level and then it kind of crashes after that was released a while ago back in April. And I wasn't involved in in uh, getting that out there, but I have. And then it, it resurfaced again recently all over Reddit, but it was the exact same game as before. So I have had a couple of people come over and try to image the hard drive that I have just basically just take an image of it and Every and I'm not really much of a PC guy. Like if this is a Mac thing or or even Unix, like but just there's something weird about this drive. And every time we, uh, I physically yanked it out. We've put it in PCs. We've put it in external cases. I've tried it on a few different operating systems, and it won't mount and it won't image. So, hmm. and I've looked over the the hardware that's in. It basically it's just a computer inside the the Fix It Felix cab. Yeah, it's like an HP or something. Yeah, right? totally. It's just an it's literally just an HP computer, and there's nothing plugged into USB or anything like that, other than it comes with a keyboard and mouse. But they're not even plugged in, so it's not like a dongle. But I swear there's some sort of hardware decoding thingy built into this computer because we have all completely failed to image it. Um, I really should be, you know, I should be giving this thing to Jason Scott is what I should be. He (laughs) he can get into anything. He would break this up. So I I am a big information should be free kind of guy. So I'm actually highly motivated to get this out there. Well, the great thing about Jason is even if he can't, he knows somebody who can. Yeah. Um, Yeah, exactly. So uh, now, Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you say that, that having one of these original cabinets sort of gives you a little bit of access to the Disney team that, that made it for tech support and it things like does. that? It does. And and I've call, I've actually spoken three times in total to the, the – you get like two – I don't know if they're dedicated tech support people. I guess it's not dedicated, but you get a little uh, a booklet came with it. And it gives you a phone number and contact of people at Disney for support for your games. Like, crazily cool. And so I called when I first got it just to sort of introduce myself and said, I am the new owner. You will be getting calls from me. (laughs) Just to see if it was something that worked. I was just interested. And I talked to two guys on. They put me on speakerphone. And they were all really pleasant and excited that I had the game and wanted to talk about it and ask what my score was. And it's actually pretty cool. And then I called back once again because I was worried about... You know, when you turn this game off, it just yanks out the power. It's just like pulling the plug. And I thought, well, this is going to die then. This hard drive is going to die. So I called and said, like, is this something I should worry about? Um, have you actually set this up so that it dies? Or when I hit this switch, is it running? Like, because it'd be pretty easy to wire it up with a, a, like a keyboard emulator. Maybe it's built in that will execute shutdown things. Maybe it's not shutting down as hard as I think it is. But they confirmed that, oh, yes, it is. That is how it's wired up. <laughs> and it's sort of designed to be turned on and left on. I said, well, okay, that's that's okay, but isn't it going to overheat like crazy? This isn't just a board. This is a an HP computer stuck inside a cabinet. Not a lot of airflow in there. Um, and they really didn't have an answer to that. <laughs> they said, yeah, that's probably something you should be concerned about. Well, then your answers suck, dudes. Uh, and then I called one more time to hint around about that, saying, you know, hey, it's Carrington again, and I'm still a little concerned about this heat thing or the longevity of the hard drive, and I'd really like this to you know, last as long as, as it can, last as, like a classic arcade system. I'd like this to go another 30 years. So is there a way that I can back it up? That like sort of just hinting about that. And they just shut that conversation right down. Uh, <laughs> so they're just not interested. Nope, no, it can't. Uh, it just, you know, it is what it is. I'm like, ah, oh. Jason Scott says, oh. <laughs> so uh, that's where we stand. But it, yes, I do, have, uh, I do have two fellows at Disney that I can call 
and ask questions of. You just can't ask that question. That they seem to just shut down, and they kind of laughed when I asked because <laughs> I was trying to interrupt. So they've been. Is there a way that I <laughs> could? Yeah. So they've no. probably been told not to talk to you about that. Well, they, what they what they suggested was uh, versions of the game that are very similar have been released for other platforms. Uh, I'm like, well, that doesn't help it's me. Not the same. <laughs> so how is that even addressing my question? Yeah. But that was basically the answer that they give if you call them. Well, and that actually sort of brings me to. My next point, we'll, we're going to veer off the beaten path here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've been reading about Fix-It Felix cabinets and things like this, because I was reading, just doing some research, so I thought, well, if I can point this guy to the right direction, I don't even mm-hmm. have to get you involved, because I know how you hate talking to our fans. <laughs> um, I'm just lazy. You're all, well, you're all high and mighty. I love talking to people. You have, I'm just too lazy. You're high, you have handlers to deal with the fans, the unwashed masses. <laughs> um, so I've seen on a, a lot of these uh, arcade forums, especially the, the builders and the, the hardware guys, mm-hmm. talking about trying to build their own Fix-It Felix cabinet clones. Right. And I've seen some some really good examples of the cabinets, and, and what seems to be a common thing is to to take the copy of the Flash-based game that was available on Disney's website and use that. Right. But I think that's a little bit different. It's not the same. It is. It is a slightly different game. Yeah, it's weird. The one that they put in the cabinet seems to be, in very, very subtle ways, unique to the, what's just in these cabinets. So it's a very slightly different game. So how do you feel as an owner of one of these original cabinets, and there are very few of them, obviously worth quite a bit of money, about somebody basically coming up with a, a perfect copy so that you can no longer tell the difference between what you have and a copy? Go to town. I think whatever. It doesn't affect me at all. Okay. Um, it's one of those things where I, I get if some people had these and want to hoard them because there's not a lot of them out there and say, oh, but, you know, it's it's you know worth a ton of money because it's so rare. And if somebody duplicates, it'll be less rare. I would be such an enormous hypocrite if I thought that way because I have myself broken software and, and copied things. And I'm <laughs> big into – like I, I'm just not a copyright fan sure. of stuff at all. So everything I produce, I, I throw out as public domain. I'm like, you know, whatever. Um, and I picked this cabinet up for, you know – a song essentially like for next to nothing not, not not nothing but you know i didn't go and drop like 20 grand the way somebody did on 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 ebay yeah okay. uh, so it's not like it's also some huge investment thing um and i'm sure i could probably flip it for ten thousand or something like that and you know that would be nice and, and frankly i think i'd prefer to have ten thousand dollars than this cabinet <laughs> so i will probably and in fact i'm almost certainly going to end up listing it shortly or selling it or whatever so i'll probably put some feelers out soon and say who wants it because it's taking up a lot of space and I'm mostly just concerned I'm going to kill it. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not bothered at all by other people having versions of it. And I think that would be great because I'd like it to last. I love the movie. I love the game. I want it to, to last the way I want all arcade games to last. Um, and, but I'm concerned that somebody like me should not be in possession for <laughs> if there's only like 12 of these things or something because I, I'm, I'm terrible with this stuff. Like, I, I, I'm good with electronics, but I'm also, you know, a, a scatterbrain like i will accidentally leave this thing on i'm sure one day and just kill the heart like this this computer inside there will die if it is left in my hands i am a dangerous person that way i will because i don't since i don't value this stuff i could easily wake up next week and go i wonder what it looks like on the inside i'm ripping it open again and to- totally destroy it and then think later well why would i do that right <laughs> so just um so i i think it should be passed on to somebody partly who would preserve it better and partly who would be in a better position to get it out there to actually duplicate it. And since I have proven unable to duplicate this hard drive, I'd like it to get in the hands of somebody who both keep it alive and ideally um, get the code and get a copy of the hard drive out there so people could make other versions. Maybe it's going to be hard to find that person because maybe somebody who wants it will want to say, oh, I want to keep it, keep it special and not release it. But ideally, I'd be able to find somebody who wants to both maintain it and release it. Well, yeah, and I'm sure that Jason Scott would be more than happy to fly up to Toronto with a, a team of people and help you with that. Yeah, and you could do that. So I'm sure I'll figure out something yeah, you shortly. Could, you could let him have it, have at it for a few weeks and then once they crack it, then you could sell it. Yeah, one of my jobs, I work with a, a shipping company anyway, so I could probably get it down to him hmm. easier than he could get it up here. Well, there's all that U.S. customs nonsense that you have to go through. Ah, that's, I handle all that, too, at oh, the shipping company. Like, very nice. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I, I, can, I can get this into somebody else's hands. So we will see. So <clears throat> I, I'd like to probably do that shortly, because I'm also thinking of moving soon. It would be a pain to move it and then sell it. So That's true. Yeah. yeah. 
I like to be nomadic. Long term, I think I can see myself being happy living in an RV. <laughs> like, so I don't think I can really like be a full-time RV guy and also have a collection of stand-up arcade games. Well, that <laughs> doesn't surprise me at all. Just be that lonely drifter that we read about. Living in a van down by the river. Found a bunch of bodies buried around his RV in the wilderness. No, I just want the freedom, man. <laughs> so what else happened on our feedbackness? Those are words. <laughs> I got an email from uh, Davey Elbows. <laughs> Tell us about Mikey Eyelashes. Davy Elbows claims to be Mikey Eyelashes' semi-evil adopted identical twin cousin. You can tell from the goatee. That's right. And uh, I have a couple of things to say to you, Mr. Elbows. Uh, first of all, Davy talks about the... We'd, we'd mentioned uh, the Space Invaders movie and the mm-hmm. Amazon Instant video player and how I, I had recommended... If you're going to get it, buy it from there rather than trying to... Yeah, don't do the streaming thing. Yeah, because yeah, the streaming sucks. And Davey reminds me that when you buy it, you still don't really get the video. You get to download the file, but you have to install this instant video player on your local machine because of all the <sighs> DRM. It won't play in anything but that. Ah, so God, I'm going to re- yeah, I'm going to revise my advice, steal it from Pirate Bay, and then go give the guy... Go donate the money. Oh, right, because he button. had that option. Yeah, yeah that's so, basically the route I'm going to take, yep. to, be, to be frank. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, because I, I just, I I prefer things like that I've ripped from DVD, and I want to control the my own media. If I pay for it, it's mine. Yes. I, like, when, mm-hmm. when I put stuff in, like, a, a disc player, and I press fast forward, like, it's, so it's my disc that I own in my DVD or Blu-ray player that I own. Mm-hmm. My remote that I own, I press fast forward, it says not permitted. I'm like, oh, not permitted yeah. by whom? Right. And then it gives me an FBI warning. I'm like, you don't even have jurisdiction <laughs> in my country, <laughs> man. Like, what the heck? Uh, oh, yeah. I find that kind of stuff very offensive. Yeah, so screw you, Amazon, and everybody exactly. else, go uh, go get the, go get the file and, and then donate on his webpage. I am very much down with that. Um, the second thing I like to say to you, Mr. Elbows, is that you, sir, are an imposter. Uh, really? Not, not an actual quasi It is well known that Mikey Eyelash has defeated the real Davy Elbows in battle over Tokyo by taking on his final mecha form and driving him back to the sea after Davy morphed into his giant evil moth form. So there. Ah, yes. I can see that happening. Yep. Um, what else do we have? I know we've got a plenty of stuff to talk about today. Plenty of stuff. The Irish person. <laughs> yeah. Donkey Kong and the maximum. Kong. Yeah, we're gonna go I've back to that. It. Yes, a few people have, and I hear some people even like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those some people. Actually, before we talk about that, since we were talking mm-hmm. about a movie, uh, Doctor Quest uh, on Twitter recommended to us Arcade the movie. Have you heard right? This? Okay. Yes, I have. Uh, it's on Netflix up here in it, Canada. It is. Yes, it's on Netflix, and, and you can. I watched the. I haven't watched that movie yet, but I watched the um, uh, trailer on YouTube. And, of course, my favorite line is, all you need to play are two quarters and your soul. <laughs> That's great. Uh, it just looks, This movie just looks cheeseball terrible. Um, so I'm You lo- mean cheeseball awesome. Yes. So, so, good, so bad it's good. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching that. Okay. Uh, it stars Seth Green. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and Megan Ward, one of my all-time favorite crushes, I must say. Uh-huh. Megan, if you're out there, I'm single. <laughs> I'm very excited about this. Holy crap, how could I not have... Th- it's a Full Moon video? Yes. Hold on, I must have seen this. I, I'm like a, a fan of Full Moon from back in the day. They used to put out like a, a movie a month. It's one of my, fav- one of my favorite uh, uh, sort of small production companies. How, how do I not know this movie? I don't know. Maybe I was just hit in the head. I totally know this movie. I must know this movie. I just don't know it at the moment. Fell off your motorcycle. I'm quite excited about it, and I will be watching it immediately. Well, I might even cut this show short. <laughs> okay, well, I'll just hang out here, and, and you come back in 90 minutes and tell me how it was. It was awesome. I'm back. <laughs> oh, that's quite exciting. Dr. Quest, you are now Professor Quest in my, right. my mind, yes, and I appreciate the recommendation. We're huge fans, Chris. Yep. Back to the Donkey Kong maximum score thing that I was about to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, last month last week whenever it was god uh, we'd mentioned the donkey kong blog that everyone is sort of migrated to if you're a, a, a dedicated donkey kong player that's kind of where donkey kong mecca is happening online now all the forums right. and okay. stuff like that there's an article there i don't actually remember us talking about that uh we talked about it as part of something okay uh they have an article called the end is near Oh yes. Well, and and what they're the, what the focus of this article is the what is the maximum score that you can get in a Donkey Kong cabinet? 
because the screen that I can get well not you because, but. <laughs> because let me tell you the end has long since come and gone <laughs> right so, but there's the game ends distinctively on level 22 uh, with a kill screen there are 117 screens that you can play and that's it it doesn't go any further than that right and so as these as these players who are actually good at the game unlike you and me um, <laughs> are edging closer and higher and higher I think Hank Chin is now at one point one million points or something like that. Uh, they're beginning to speculate because there's a maximum number of points you can get on each one of these boards. What is the highest going to be? Right. Um, and it's kind of interesting if you're a math geek. Uh, Robert Murchek, who you might know from the Twin Galaxies or from the uh, from the King of Kong movie, mm-hmm. he's one of the referees there. He had a, an interesting collection of art. Maybe you remember that. I do remember. <laughs> He has a, a detailed mathematical analysis for why he thinks it's 1.3 million, um, and he goes into great detail, and it's actually an interesting read. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes. I am interested in reading that interesting read. How interesting. <laughs> nice. Actually, I seriously am. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but... Okay, I will make sure we link both to the uh, the Donkey Kong blog spot, that, that End is Near article, and also I found the uh, the actual... Uh, the theoretical maximum on DK uh, link that he wrote over mm-hmm. on ClassicArcadeGaming.com. So that's, I'll make sure I link to both of those. That's the one. And uh, yeah, if you're interested at all in, in playing Donkey Kong now, uh, definitely take a look at that uh, at, at the blog. There's a lot of neat stuff there. Super cool. Yeah. Um, so I think we're about a third of the way through the news here. Uh, oh, last weekend. Mm-hmm. I was in Southern California. I remember it well. <laughs> it was a Saturday, it I was. believe. Yes. Well, Colorado was burning, so I went to Southern California. <laughs> he said, screw you, screw you, state. I'm going <laughs> west. Right. Now, we were visiting my, my, uh, my, wife's, my wife's parents. They live uh, out in Santa Ana. And I kind of put out there, hey, are there any arcades or pinball halls I should visit? And it turns out there's not a lot out there. Oh. Which is weird, because you consider there's a large population of... People, you would think that there would be more than there was. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a there was a place called Nickel Nickel, I think, which is a local <laughs> chain, and there was one sort of near me, but I avoided it because every one of the reviews on Yelp and a couple of other of these sites said that the manager was a jerk and not pleasant, and he'll give you a hard time about messing up his games. And so oh, I didn't. Well. Yeah, I, I don't respond well to that sort of thing, so I didn't bother. Well, to go. yeah, it's an arcade. It's supposed to be fun, right? So I sought out one called Pinball Forever. Uh, turns out that forever is not so forever. Oh, yeah. uh, it looks Alas. like it looks like they were uh, still extant as recent. So it's pinball forever in the Apple II forever way. <laughs> exactly. Yes. God. Okay. Uh, it looks like they were still around as recently as December of last year, but I can't oh. find any reference to them after that. And there are the space where they should have been is empty. Oh, that's a real shame. I did find a little arcade in the back room of a comic book store called Comic Hero University in Fullerton. They had, I don't know, a handful. An arcade in the back room of a comic book store. Yeah. I just like even just hearing those words. Yeah, it was. It was oh. a, it's a neat place, and I definitely recommend you go there um, if you live in that area, if for no other reason than to support a comic book slash arcade store. Yeah, so what was it um, called? Uh, the store was called Comic Hero University. Cool. Yeah, and uh, they didn't have a lot of selection. They had like four cabinets in in one room, um, more modern. They did have asteroids, but then it was I think like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Sega's Star Wars trilogy, which came out in '91. Um, they did have four or five very nice pinball tables as well. So if you're out there, check it out. And cool. They don't seem to have a dedicated website, but they have a nice Facebook page, so have, I, will, I will link to that. I do have a Facebook page, and from what I could tell by um, the pictures on Facebook and the cabinets that they had in those photos and things, there may have been another room with more games that I didn't find, because cool. the ones I'm seeing there are not necessarily the ones that I played. But it's cool. Check it out. And they seem to be universally loved on Yelp. Yeah. The, oh, they're great so, guys. Yeah. They, I, nice. I spent some time just kind of geeking out. Oh, with, what? ComicHeroU.com. Yep, you think I would be able to find that? You think so? <laughs> yeah. So I'll link, I'll link to that as well. And you just like the letter U. Yeah. Not you like you, mister. Eyelashes. <laughs> That's right. Um, there are 
there's a trend here in the states, and it sounds like maybe in Canada too. And you would know because you are a trend watcher. Such a trendy guy. <laughs> um, these beercades and barcades that are yes opening. It seems to be the only way an arcade can make money nowadays is they make their money mostly off of that stuff, off of the drinking, and the arcade part is just there to entertain the punters as they get sloshed. Right. Exactly. So there's there was a place that opened in Chicago called HQ Beercade and it opened back in November of 2012 and they have they had nearly they have nearly 40 arcade games and they're all the classics that you'd want to play and nice. from the pictures that I, I haven't been there but from the pictures that I can see online it looks like a really great place. Well, they announced this month that they've expanded into the neighboring space that was the retail space that was empty, 7,000 square feet dedicated strictly oh. strictly to pinball. So they, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they're up to twenty. <laughs> he said dismissively. Yeah. Well, they're they're up to twenty tables there uh, right now, and it makes sense because Chicago, for many many years, was the home of pinball manufacturers. Yes. Uh, Williams, yes, and, indeed. and in fact, Stern, which is the last remaining pinball manufacturer, is still operating out of Chicago, the Chicago now, area. So, so their site is just hqbeercade.com. Makes yep. sense. Yep. And looking. It's it's a pretty slick site, but mm-hmm. man, it looks like hipster central. <laughs> well, I, I definitely wouldn't recommend going there on a Friday or Saturday. Nights, yeah, gal- gallery. Right. Looking at the galleries. Like, yeah. Mm. Well, and and one up here in Denver is sort of like that too. I just don't. I guess go. that's the beer cave way. We don't have any here in Toronto. Yeah, because we're a bunch of big old lamers. And you have just, all these rules you just, about you're a bunch of hoisers. Totally. Um, you, and you think because we're big into beer up here, so you think <laughs> this wouldn't be an issue. You can say arcade games. No, but with beer, okay then. A. I think I think the the higher alcohol content that you have in your your, your beers, <laughs> you you have kills, two or three, and you just don't want to go out anymore. You just stay home. Kills your hand coordination too. Talking <laughs> right. score of seven. So uh, yeah, if you're in Chicago, check it out. Hey, and cool. we'd love to hear about it. See pictures and things like that. And wear your ironic baseball cap. Absolutely. I'd mentioned the one up um, a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Here in Denver, the two up is expanding. Uh, to the the one up is sort of in a trendy downtown area that they call Lodo, which just annoys. It's like fingers on the chalkboard <laughs> to me. It's the lower downtown area. It used to be warehouses and oh, I see. I was and, just saying, what the heck does this stand? Yeah, it used okay. to be warehouses yeah. and, and heroin junkies and, and cool stuff like that. And now it's like hipster. <laughs> You're a big fan of warehouses and heroin junkies. I am, you? Yes, okay. <laughs> you have no idea. I have a little collection of heroin junkies over in the corner right now. <laughs> Little tiny ones. Shooting up and nodding off and occasionally stealing from my wallet. Um, <laughs> Excellent. So, so the one-up is uh, – it's now a trendy hipster area. It kind of sucks. Uh-huh. Uh, you just go – just make sure that you don't go there on a Friday or Saturday night. And you'll probably have a great time. Um, they expanded. I'm a big super nerd. Friday, Saturday night, I'm basically inside coding. Yeah, true. On uh, a, a few year, a few months after the one-up opened, they opened the two-up, and the two-up is in a much seedier area of Denver. Um, nice along a, a strip of East Colfax Avenue. It's it's between a former adult theater called Kitties and a dive. Yeah. And a, what's that? <laughs> called Kitties. Oh yes, it's an adult theater. Mm-hmm. Well, mm. Kitties is actually a chain. There were three of them here in Denver. Oh my goodness! Or there were. Okay. Uh, and and on the other side is Sancho's Broken Arrow, a dive bar where stabbings happen pretty much weekly. Good name. So yeah, it's it's ex- it's exciting would, yeah. and fun to go to the two up. Uh, <laughs> I'd mentioned that Kitty's is closed now. They were they were recently closed um, because uh, the DEA caught them dealing meth out of the back room. <laughs> Lovely, great yeah. place for an arcade. Mm-hmm. So Holy and um, and so I'm a little depressed because I don't know where I'm going to get my my meth anymore. <laughs> um, but the good news is that the two up has expanded into the old kitty space um, and they've turned it into sort of this rock nightclub area where there, there are more games there, but there's you know, the pounding music and hipsters and things like that. So, right. Um, that happened. Uh, there is a place called the Super Electric Pinball Parlor that just opened recently. <laughs> that is an awesome name. <laughs> yeah. It just opened recently in Cleveland. I, I can't find a web page for them. Uh, but if you're in the Cleveland area, it's in the former American Greetings Factory. I, I don't know what that means. Uh, they Their little press piece here says, The collection of games that we have spends three decades and three continents of pinball history. Uh, Cal Polk built in 1965 a Super Electric, Electric's oldest unit, and the newest is 1985's wrestling-themed tag team, whose early computer technology allows multi-ball play between teams whose scores are tallied automatically. So if you're in Cleveland, you should check that out. Nice. Yeah. 
That's such a good name. Oh. Super Electric Pinball Parlor. I like it. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I was out walking the dogs the other day through my neighborhood, and I looked over and I happened to see somebody's, somebody in my neighborhood has a centipede cabinet. Ooh. Yeah. Did you buy it? No, it was... I, I just not, <laughs> I'm planning to. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't say that because when somebody does steal it, they're going to come knocking on my door. <laughs> um, it, was, it was sort of in the window, and, and the guy... I've been by this house a bunch of times, and he's never had those shades open, probably because he doesn't want people to see that. Um, but they happened to be open, and I saw it. I knocked on his door, nobody there, so... Um, if you're listening, sir, I want to buy your centipede cabinet. Yeah, but how much would you buy it for? Right, yeah. Ten, twelve bucks at least. Well, see, that's the thing. Is everybody wants the cabinets. Right, but yeah. They, people want to sell them want these ridiculous right. prices. The, the good ones are, are going to be yeah. rather expensive. Now, if you're into a not-so-good cabinet, you could possibly purchase the game we're about to talk about. <laughs> um, okay, so and my favorite thing i got to say about... Uh, this game was the person who guessed was uh, what Randall Randall Galkin mm. guessed the name in the best way ever. <laughs> I, think, I think it was on Facebook yes, where he said, "Listen, Bub, you better make the audio clues harder, or or I'll sick less on you." Nicely done, Randall. Indeed. Working in Bub and Ols, so Bubbles is this week's game. <laughs> And I, I just mentioned Williams for pinball, um, and that's what they're. I think that's what they were mainly known for. I know they put a lot, a lot more pinball tables. See, for me, well, because I was never really a pinball guy. When I think Williams, I think arcade games right. with a particular sort of style. Like I think of the Defender and Stargate type look. Like they've got a certain type of vibrant color things, a little, a little psychotronic and they've got the uh uh certain type of sounds and so there's, there's like a feel to a williams game when you this is not uh something that you would necessarily have seen that much back in the arcades but if you're playing, i had never heard of this game before. well no if you're if you're playing williams uh mame roms when you power it up the first time they all have that same sort of startup screen with this like mm-hmm. sweeping static and and their their high score boards all look the same they use the same font from game yep. to game, they had there is a particular Williams font. Yes, yes definitely. Uh, and they for a while there, they they put out a string of arcade games, which were almost all of them were very famous because they were very popular. They were very good. And they were very very hard. This, yes, this particular game is why I had to use almost in the last sentence rather than <laughs> all of them because bubbles. Well, not so much. But yeah, you're right. They had these great hard games like when i think of games like like defender and even joust but defender robotron uh sinistar games that are great and games that are super hard and then there's bubbles which is super hard (laughs) (laughs) i'll stop the sentence there (laughs) mike and i have been exchanging notes through this week about how neither of us are particularly big fans of this game we picked for this week Uh, yeah i um i don't know i it looks like it would have all of the elements that should make a fun and exciting game. The elements are mixed up in this thing, man. This is a, a metaphorically confused game. So we should, talk, we should talk about the gameplay. So in case people are out there like me who had never even heard of the thing before, it basically takes place in a sink. So you're looking at a top-down image of a sink. There's a tap at the top, and out of that tap plops a bubble. That's your avatar. So you're going to be this little bubble. You're going to slide, use the joystick and slide around the sink, and you're going to try to clean it up. So there's crumbs and these, I guess, grease spots, but I keep thinking of them as ink spots. But there's crumbs and spots, and there's ants, these little bugs. So you have to sweep them all up. Um, and as you gobble things up or as you scrub them away or whatever the metaphor is supposed to be, you also get larger. There's also bad guys at the same time, some of which are cleaning or gobbling up these things. So it's a bit of a race and there's, there's sponges and brushes and, and there's also razor blades that you have to avoid. And there's bigger bugs, which I guess are roaches that you have to avoid. And it's all sort of kind of a mess as you whip around really quickly in this game that really wants to have a gosh darn trackball, but isn't a trackball. Uh, it's oh, yeah. just a joystick, definitely. which makes the control so much more difficult. Definitely should have been a trackball game. Oh, holy crap, yeah. It's just game. I kept thinking, well, this must be a trackball game. I'm playing it with this stupid controller, and the controller is the reason I'm kind of sucking at it. And no, it actually is a controller game. Crazy, crazy that this was a controller game. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So, um, yeah, I, I don't like this game. <laughs> at all and there you go there's, folks here's the sounds of the next one <laughs> yeah. well so yeah you're, you're you're kind of bouncing around in this space and these things are coming up out of the sink and 
Mm-hmm. As a scrubbing bubble, you would think, well, there are brushes here that are also cleaning out. They should be on my side, but they're not. Nope. And, and nope. randomly, there's ants, and, and they're like. You can touch the ants, but you can't touch the other bugs. Yeah. But you can touch the other bugs if you touch the tiny little cleaning ladies. These little oh, tiny yes. cleaning like, wow, like not to scale at all. So these little cleaning ladies that I thought you were supposed to avoid. No, you pick up the cleaning ladies, because when you pick up them and gobble them into your bubble, you get like a little brush. And then when you've got the brush in front of you, then you can hit the big. Bugs acts as sort of like a shield against as a one-time shield against against the big bugs when you've got the broom thingy. Yeah, the, the roaches that the, the broom thingy kills the roaches, and, the, and I think you get two thousand for that. It's a one-time use, like you pointed out. In in later levels, things just get more and more crowded in the sink, and, and eventually you begin to wonder who would leave that many razor blades lying around in the sink because a sink full of tiny cleaning. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> tiny cleaning ladies and razor blades because they're. One of the things that you have to avoid are razor blades, and there's no defense against the blade. Unlike there's the, no the defense roaches. against the blade. That's right. <laughs> um, so you, you, as you, and there, there are these things that look like they have maybe eyes. I, I think they're supposed to be grease or something, but they look either like, um, I couldn't decide if they were chocolate chip cookies or little piles of vomit that come after you as well. Mm. Um and, I wasn't sure what they were either. Right. I didn't think of them as vomit, but I, yeah. I couldn't figure them out. So really, the whole concept of this game is to clean up as much of the sink as you can and then get down the drain to the next sink without dying. Um, exactly. As and you, you get bigger. We should mention yeah. that you get bigger as you gobble things up. Yeah. So you, you as you grow, you're sort of trying to make yourself big enough to have a face. Like uh, you'll uh, As you get bigger, you'll add eyes, and then you get big enough that you'll get a mouth, and then you've got a face. And once you've got a face, then you're big enough that you can touch some of the bad guys, like the bigger bugs and stuff, and you can knock them into the drain. But you can only do that when you're big enough to have a face. It's all about do you or do you not have a face. Because when you once you've got rid of all the things in the sink, or all the things in the sink are gone that could give you points. So whether you got them or the other bugs or the brushes got them, it's at that point the level kind of ends. And if you're big enough to have a face, then you move on to the next level. If you're not big enough to have a face, then you redo. The, you lose a life, you lose a bubble, and you redo this level. And once you get your face, there's also this time where you can jump into the drain and skip the next level. And go I'm like, ah, things all over the place. Yeah, I couldn't figure out which was better for you you know to just it's it, it felt like that sort of gauntlet remember that game the mm-hmm. the chat the, that's the, a good game yeah play gauntlet. And, and we'll talk about that one too <laughs> but the the question of whether i should go down one level and and uh where i'm not going to get as many points or go down five levels where i'm going to get more points but it's going to be much harder for me right i for the most part skipped it i just went each level at a time i wouldn't jump into the drain and jump ahead i just kept skipping in the, in the hope that that this would come to an end <laughs> <laughs> it gets hard quick, so it, it does. does come to an end pretty fast. Yeah. So, so as this larger bubble with this weird smiley face thing that I, it's kind of creepy. You keep, it is kind of creepy. Yep. You still can't you can't touch the roaches unless you have the little broom, and the broom mm-hmm. has to be angled just right. You know, if it's yeah, facing it's like in front of you as you're moving, so you right. have to ram the, right. the the roaches. If it's facing away from you, you still die. And then you have the brushes that you can bump into while you have the face, and you can knock them down the drain. And if you do, you get like 2,000-point bonus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you bump into the brushes, you get smaller again. Your face goes away. Yep. And you got to be careful that, that once you knock the knock them out of the way, that you're not then too small to move on to the next level. That happens Exactly. It's all about still having a face at the end of the level. So you have to watch that. So I would, if I got my face early, I would bump things in, but only if I could sort of see at a glance visually there's lots of stuff left to still pick up yep and the stuff that you're collecting tends to be of higher point value closer to the drain mm-hmm. uh, because i guess it's a risk yeah because if you go into the drain early and you don't have your face and stuff then you just lose them yeah, it says oh bubble too small oops bubble too small is what it says uh and so you lose that or you a roach could come out at the wrong moment that sort of thing um, the cleaning lady weirdly the longer she's in the playing field the more she's worth the more her point value goes up so it seems to be worth I didn't it, realize that. Yeah, to, to leave her out there. Uh, not a whole lot about this game made any sense to me. No, and, like I said, it seems like a jumble of metaphor. Um, kind of like a, a beta version of a game in, in its execution. Like it just, just didn't seem to make sense for scale and for a whole bunch of things. Right. So this game was released uh, by Williams in 1982. And by then, the market was really crowded. And you had a bunch of... Bunch of uh, a small handful of really popular games um, mm-hmm. in each category: the Maze Runners, the Shoe Space Shooters, that sort of thing. And then you had tons of clones, 
And Williams wanted to create something that was different than that. Um, and, and it is. I mean, at least you got to give him that, though. At least it is a different game. Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't. Yeah. Although it reminded me of games. It reminded me of more modern games. So I couldn't think of anything that was period appropriate. It reminded me of uh, Katamari Damacy, you mm-hmm. know, the, which yeah. is the roll around and get bigger sort of game. So it's got kind of elements of that. But the main game it was reminding me of was uh, Crystal Quest which was oh, a right. game I used to play on Classic Max. And it was the same sort of feel where you're racing around and trying to, trying to avoid some things and pick up others and, so, and, then, and then get out of the maze. So had that sort of feel. But Crystal Quest was much more fun. Indeed. Uh, the creator of this game, John Kotlarik, said, uh, what I was trying to do with Bubbles was come up with a nonviolent, clean game. No pun intended. Ha-ha. Uh, but, and yet he made the pun. He did. The game was intended to be a Pac-Man-inspired takeoff with a free-form play field instead of walls. Wow. Didn't, it doesn't feel like Pac-Man at all. No. Guitar came up with the initial concept and an oh, awesome name here, Python Angelo. Created, That's a great name. <laughs> created, Holy cow. So, so I'm now Mikey Python, which will, <laughs> do- which will double as my porn name. Uh, <laughs> you. <laughs> Python, Python Angelo created all the artwork and wrote the game scenario. Cool. Um, so, and if you go to the, the, the main history. That is a great name. <laughs> If you go to the main history file, uh, there's a lot of great information about how they came up with it and the trivia and stuff like that. I just don't care enough about this game to really get into it, so go read it yourself. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's just, at the the end of the day, it's, you know, you're a bubble, you're scooching around the sink, and it's just, it was a little too mixed up for scale and stuff like that for me. I found the background is kind of bland because it's just a blue sink. Um, that That's you're a, whipping around in. It's the same so, sink over and over. So yeah, I kind of like the faucet at the top because it would turn and the water shoots down. So like it's just, but just it did, game didn't grip me. You know, it was just it was a hard game and I wasn't having fun playing it. Yeah, this this felt like um, not not really shovelware because it didn't feel like intentionally shoddy or we just don't care about it. Right, no, uh, no, not I, at all. I, I think they put like a, lot a of, typical Williams game. Like they do execute things well. Right, like uh, it's a polished game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that they they put a. They did put a lot of effort into it. I just don't think it paid off in the end. Right. Um, and and I, I think that when an artist writes a song, typically it's because they have an idea that they want to express in musical form, whatever, as opposed to saying, I should write a song. What can I put in the song? And that's, yeah, this this is a ga- the game version of that right. latter idea. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So it's this is more like... I want to make a game, and I don't want it to look like everything else out there. So, what should I? We'll just we'll just find weird, random stuff and stick it in there and hope it works. Yeah, and it didn't. Um, the cabinet, on the other hand, character, the cabinet's pretty cool. Why don't you tell me about the, ca- the cabinet? Yeah, I like the cabinet. So, from a technical standpoint, um, pretty straightforward setup. It's a two-player game, alternating eight-way joystick, obviously, because you're moving all over the place. But again, trackball totally needed a trackball. Uh, main CPU is a 6809 running at 1 megahertz, and it had a sound CPU as well, a 6808 running at just slightly less than that, like 89 or 894 point something kilohertz. Uh, but what's interesting about the cabinet is the structure and the art of it. So there were the straightforward cabinets like you would expect. There was the uh, uh, cocktail cabinet and a traditional full-size upright cabinet, and they had uh, decent looking. I like the arche- the marquee and side art and um, the control panel art in particular. So like the side art is lots of cartoony bubbles with faces, obviously. And the actual marquee, like the logo is the word bubbles spelled out in bubbles. And it's it's a nice logo. Like it's And the control panel, though, is really nice because it, it's the best bit. It's got that bubble dude with his face and the controller sticking up from the middle so it's basically it's his nose and i found that kind of funny so i like the <laughs> pictures of that but my favorite part of the cabinet is the third version of the cabinet very limited edition they made a plastic cabinet something called duramold and we didn't talk about it in the sinistar episode but i guess it was a sinistar duramold well as well hmm. these are super rare they don't have side art they there was only three games it seems that Williams put out in Duramold plastic cabinets. There was Bubbles, obviously, and also Sinistar and Blaster. Bubbles was the only one that came in blue. The other two were in black, but the same sort of shape. It's this stamped out plastic shape that they would then put the marquee on. So the the cabinets look the same, except that the Bubbles is the only blue one. There's a rumor, well, sort of a myth that, the, and this part is true, 
the downside of the plastic cabinets is they shrink. <laughs> so <laughs> the plastic over time would shrink down and could pop open. You could get, so when you open a door, you can close it again on the going doors. And there's kind of a myth that they would shrink enough that the monitor would pop out of them and fly out across the room. Oh, my goodness. So highly unlikely that that was true. So I started to look into it. And it turns out there's actually a thread discussing that over on Snopes. So we'll have a link to that. <laughs> so oh, excellent. And no, uh, it doesn't shrink enough to actually pop and fire a monitor across the room. But it does shrink enough to actually damage the cabinet. It will crack. It will shrink so the doors don't fit anymore. And it can put things out of alignment. So they're actually a pretty rare cabinet because of that. Because they're essentially shrinking into non-existence. Which I find just so hilarious. <laughs> so maybe if you pick up more stuff with it, it'll get bigger. The cabinet will get a face. So there is a couple of sites out there that if you're interested in these uh, incredible shrinking cabinets you you can check out there's one site um dedicated just to the williams Durmold cabinets and unsurprisingly it's williamsdurmold.com so we'll have a link to that it just discusses those cabinets there's also um uh, a bubbles tribute site that i found a fellow just like last week on flicky we found this guy's site who was really just into flicky had a site all about flicky there's a fellow out there who's really into bubbles and has a site all about bubbles which is just bubblestribute.com so i found a lot of information about the cabinets and the contents and stuff um, on those two sites so i'll have, we'll have links in the show notes it looks like William's service department uh, was aware of the the, pla- the shrinking stuff and, and in fact one of their one of their texts tom cahill was quoted as saying if we'd made kits for these things we would easily have sold a couple hundred thousand so this wow. is they yeah they it looks but like how much would people want to play pay to keep keeping their their thing alive well i think the assumption was that everybody wanted the game right they didn't <laughs> they because everybody hadn't played the game because <laughs> i gotta say well that cabinet's really cool and i could find nothing about pricing these cabinets are rare enough in all their forms that they don't come up much. The XED pricing guide has nothing, but all, most of the online pricing guides, I could find no links at all. I found no version of it at all for sale or even having recently sold. So I have no idea what these things go for. Um, presumably, the the cocktail cabinet is a pretty rare one. There weren't a lot of those made, so that would be collectible. And this plastic upright, the Duramold, must be the particularly collectible and expensive one but i have honestly no idea at all what it would cost you if you wanted to pick up one of these super shrinking cabinets and try to aim it at somebody and wait for the monitor to pop out <laughs> uh, apparently it was rare enough that um a bubbles machine was shown at the 2003 classic arcade games show california extreme in san jose and it was a big deal that this thing was being seen in public Okay, so, yeah. I guess so not it, many it does seem those... to be a super rare game. No. I think it's rare because it blows and who the heck no. would want one? <laughs> my opinion <laughs> i'm not yeah. keeping it to myself <laughs> well the game itself was popular enough to have been ported to uh, many consoles the saturn playstation dreamcast playstation 2 gamecube xbox it showed up on uh on the pc and ms dos form and a couple of windows versions on those midway and, and williams arcade classic compilations that they always put out uh, and it also is you can play it online at tigergame.com honestly i bet i we got that link to the guy with the tribute site, so mm-hmm. he clearly loves it. And, oh, yeah. and people seem to like this game, um, but I just don't. It just didn't grip me. I played it, I got my score for the week, and I can't see me coming back. I'm just not a fan. Yeah, I didn't uh, didn't care enough about this game. And in fact, I was so disinterested in it that I, uh, I momentarily considered just coming on and talking about Donkey Kong and pretending <laughs> I didn't know what you were talking about when you mentioned Bubbles. I would have been... Wow, I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> you could probably convince me. <laughs> what? We never played that. So, so let's talk about score. How? I, what did you end up getting? Like, how how long did you you stick to it? I got to without without doing the the level jump thing. If mm-hmm. I if I just went a level down at a time, I got to the fifth sink, and my score was thirty two thousand forty zero four zero. Well, I did far better than mm-hmm. you, but I didn't get that. F- much farther into the game. I think I was five or six sinks in. I got fifty six thousand five hundred and fifty. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and I would typically get in the thirty to 50,000 range, but honestly, I didn't even play that game that, this much this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, it, was, it almost felt like playing a, a chore to play it. Like, I was like, ah, yeah, a little bit. I just, bubbles game. Then I would reward myself and play a game. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just, I didn't have fun with this. And, and it's not a horrible game like some of these others. And it's not one that suffered. It's not, the great thing about Williams games is that their difficulty isn't based on flaws in game design or manufacturing or controllers. 
Like that, what was the Satan of Saturn one? Was hard. Yes. Was hard because the collision detection was bad. Was you know? bad. Exactly. It's just you it's know? sort of hard in a crappy way. Right. And, and the Williams is hard in a polished way. Right. It's just a hard game. They, they meant to make them make these difficult, and and I, I do appreciate that. I just I don't think all of the pieces of this game really came together that well. I agree. Yep. It just it it felt like it, too mixed up metaphor wise in the size of things and just yeah just didn't was didn't grip me. Yep. Uh, both Python and Kotlark had worked on other Williams games. Uh, Python did much of the artwork for Joust. Um, and Kl- ah, that's a good one. Yes. And Kotlark did, did a lot of the sound design for Joust and Defender. And he created the voice, uh, the synthesized voice for uh, Gorgar, the, the pinball game from Williams. Cool. Yeah. Uh, one last thing on, on Bubbles here. Uh, the high score, the official record high score is held by Yoshiro Oda. 1,566,960 points set on August 1st, 1984. Congratulations to you, Yoshira. Uh, you have more endurance than I do. Totally. I can't imagine playing this game for a lot. Well, I mean, the mm. thing is, a Williams game, a high score in a Williams game is a real achievement because all of their games are crazy hard. So if you can be like the guy who's best at one of those, that's that's seriously good reflexes. Yeah, that reminds me. I, I really like the, the Williams, and we should probably do a podcast just on Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like the the high score screen where you only get five scores. Yes, you know it, it doesn't matter how many you set if you a certain set of initials only gets five scores, and then you have like the what is it the top five or ten of all time, and then below that you've got the top twenty or fifty or whatever. Exactly. So yeah, I dig them. Yep. So actually, I'm going to leave it to you, Mr. Carrington, to pick a game for us this week. Oh, we, oh, we, have oh. a, we have sort of a list that we've been working on and building up, and, and pick one. Oh, excellent. Well, then I pick this, and here's what it sounds like. Well, I wonder what that game is. <laughs> I shall destroy you. <laughs> <laughs> I can promise you it's better than Bubbles. Well, that's not too hard. Uh, thanks everyone for uh, for listening, and thank you, pod- uh, thank you, podcast for Carringtoning with me. <laughs> Absolutely, podcast. <laughs> I will talk to you next week. Uh, have a good week, everybody. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback to the show can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain. (laughs) 